The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the Oscar-nominated director, writer, and producer for Robot Dreams, Pablo Berger. Well, Pablo, thank you so much for your time. Um, I love Robot Dreams. I saw it at TIFF, and so I'm so thrilled to. Uh, I'm so thrilled for the nomination. Um, so thank you for taking time with me today. Great. I'm, so you were there at the premiere there at TIFF. Yes. Cool. Yeah, it was wonderful. The audience clearly loved it there as well, and uh, so it's been wonderful to watch it kind of gaining steam all these months. It's been amazing. What we all saw the the beautiful video of you and your team watching the nominations and celebrating. It was amazing. What does this Oscar nomination mean to you? Well, the thing is that what really means to to me is that a wider audience, a global audience, is going to know about Robot and Dog, and more people are going to see Robot Dreams. And honestly, after four films and over 25 years of career in cinema. This is what really turns me on. Of course, it's definitely, I'm very excited to go to the Oscars and it sounds like big celebration. It's like, it's not Robot Dreams, it's my, it's Pablo's Dreams, you know, just to be part of it. It sounds like, you know, if you're an athlete going to the Olympics representing your country. So I feel like I'm representing like the Spanish film industry, not only the animation, just the industry, you know. So I'm I'm very excited. It feels like wow, yes, I'm I'm going to, I'm going for the ride here. Well, um, you know, you like you said, you've been making films for a long time. This is your first animated film, though. So what what made you want to dive into animation and change things up? Well, the only reason was the graphic novel itself of the same title, A Robot Dream of Sarah Byron. I, I read it a long time ago in 2010, basically because I collect wordless graphic novels and, you know, it had not been published in Spain. I ordered online, you know, I immediately fell in love with the, with the book, became one of my favorites, but, you know, I read it a few times, put it in with a collection. I made Blanca Nieves, I made Abracadabra, and I have to be thinking about my next project. And one day I was just procrastinating what I'm going to do next. And I was having a coffee, honestly. I was having a coffee, took it out, read it again. And then, you know, and it was like, wow, I was laughing and enjoying it. And when I got to the end, this time, 
I was deeply, deeply moved. It really, tears came to my eyes. And it had never happened to me reading a graphic novel, and not even before when I read it the first time. But this time, I don't know why it touched me in a very deep way. I honestly think that I was visualizing the film. I was seeing the film. I think the directors, if we have one quality, one talent is that we can close our eyes and see the film finish. I can really do it and hear it and see it. And I imagine how could I, how would I translate this graphic novel into a film? I think the end is so strong that I really, and that's the only reason that I, I made this animated film because never in my life, not even once, not even once, I thought about making an animated film. I love animation. I'm a big uh, uh, consumer of animation. I, I always see all of uh, every all the interesting films. I don't miss any, but not not even once I thought about making it one of one animated film. Was there was there a moment of doubt then of like, well, I'm I'm not an animated director. I you know this is some, for somebody else to make. Or did you know you had this? Well, if if you know if you see my previous film, you you realize that. Everything, every time I make a film, I take a lot of risks. And every film is different from the previous. It's almost like my trademark, you know? So if there's no fear, I am not interested. Uh, but it's not a fear that blocks me. It's just a fear that it, I like to get out of my comfort zone. I like to take risks. I like the idea that a film is like a Mission Impossible. And, and I'm the sergeant with this a suicide squad, but we are gonna make it. And something about it, that it was gonna be an animation, instead of being a turn down, it was a turn on. It was like, wow, oh yes, I don't know anything. But as when you have a suicide mission, you have to get the best. And I'm used to work with the best in my previous film. So I really got a great team. I got an amazing art director, which is Jose Luis Agreda that had made an amazing film before this one called Buñuel in the Turtles Labyrinth. And I got an amazing animation director that he was responsible of the animation directing in the Triples of Belleville and the Book of Kells. He's Benoit Ferremont. He's based in Brussels. So I seduced him to come to Spain for two years. Jose Luis is based in Spain, so but in Seville. So I moved them and then you know, like, you know, the movie, The Seven Samurais, Kurosawa, you know, we, we had to get team and animators and people from all over the world and from Madrid and from all over Spain. So that was also very exciting to, to put a, a studio. We really created what we call it two pop-up studios because we didn't work with a studio that it was working. You know, we had to create a, a studio by the machines, decide the software, create a pipeline, you know, there definitely there was a lot of challenges about making this film. And and definitely the biggest the biggest one is that the director had never made an animated film. So <laughs> yeah, well in in assembling the team, what did you find was um different or challenging about you know moving from directing actors and uh a cinematographer and and heads of departments in that way to directing animators what what was the challenge there well the, the thing is that my producer of my my last three films they she had never produced anime animation film either so but she's used that every time i make a film when she opens the script she doesn't even know what is going to be inside so definitely animated pablo okay 
she read it, she loved the script. Okay, let, let, let's do it. So, but she always says that uh, I had an animation director in me. And she's right, because I'm one of those few live action directors that I storyboard from beginning to end. My previous films, for example, Blanca Nieves, when I made it to, I have, I spent one year doing the storyboard of Blanca Nieves. Abracadabra, I spent one year, and as you know, to make it a storyboard, and as you know, for animation director, the treasure map is the storyboard. Is the in Spain in Europe we call it animatic. You call it real story, real in English. So for me to spend one year with a small team doing the the story real, I love it. It's my favorite. Actually, it's my favorite part of making films. So that element, it was not difficult. And then. Initially, I was very scared because I thought there were a lot of difference between animation and live action. And the reality is that they have more things in common than differences. In a way, just a question of doing substitution. So if in, in live action, you have a camera, art director, hair, makeup, wardrobe. In film, in, in animation, you have the art department. You know, And you just have dozens of artists that have to do the same work. So I just had to communicate in the same way with both teams. And, and as you said, the biggest change is the substitution of working with actors and working with animators. And the fact that I, I don't have an animation background, I'm not even, a, I don't even know the technique. I'm not a technical animation director. I come from, I'm a director of actors. So what I immediately, what I thought is just, I'm gonna bring my background and my experience working with the best, Spanish actors and getting great performances and really enjoying working with actors to the, and I'm going to talk the same way with the animators. Of course, I needed help. And of course, if you have an amazing director of animation like Benoit Ferremont, he helped me to translate a lot of my indications. But, but in a way, my relation with the actors and the animators, it was very similar. Big difference. With the actors, you spend two months. With animators, you spend two years. So the relation with the act, with animators, I was every single day, every single day in my office, I would meet with animators, animators and work on the, on the acting. For me, when I work in a live action film, I'm next to the camera. I, I'm not a director that I like to be with a monitor, you know, unless it's a very complex shot. I like to be next to the camera and I like, I like to look at the actor and I like to look at their eyes. So here is the same. I was with the animator here. We didn't do, this film was not done in remote, nothing. We just, that was another difficulty of creating the team. We were in the COVID times and we didn't want it to, we had masks. So for two years we were like, but we were next to each other. And for me, when I was looking, it was just at the eyes of dog and robot. For me, the pupils, the eyes. And I always have a message. Less, less, less is more, less is more. You know, acting in live action is the same as acting in animation. Because I'm so many times when I see some animated movies, I see so much overacting, so much indicating, so much, you know, oh, if you're sad, you have to be like, if you're surprised, you have to. Come on, guys, there's no difference between directing actors or directing animated actors or animated characters. So, I thought that could be something that I could bring from my from my experience in 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 live action.
It's amazing. And and I think that helps so much. The characters are so rich and and lived in. Um, and I love the themes of the film. It speaks to the beauty of both friendship and loneliness. Um, and and seeing the beauty in both of those is really challenging. How did, how were you able to illustrate both sides of that? You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Well, the, the things that, you know, as a writer-director, I put a lot of me in my work. You know, there's no other way to write and direct. So when when I read the book, this, the original source, I saw I felt so much identification with dog. You know, I'm I'm dog. I I've been that lonely dog in New York. The dog's apartment is my last apartment, and uh, in New York, of course. At that time, I was with my closest collaborator. She's still we are together. You know, I'm talking about long time ago. Yuko Harami. She works with me in all my films from my first film. But I found love. My heart was broken in New York so deeply. I made friends, lost friends. And a lot of the things that Doug does in the films, they're places and things that I, I love to do when, when I was in, in New York, you know. For example, my favorite thing to do when I, I always live in this village, like Doug. Doug lives in this village. My favorite thing to do was to go to Kim's video to rent a video. I don't know if you're familiar what King's Video means for a whole generation of film buffs or film directors. King's Video was the Cinematheque of New York. You know, it was a, and you know, and, and things like that appears. There's little homage to things that I, I, I did in, in New York. Uh, so uh, like you've referenced, you're, you've already made a silent film before this, Blanca Nieves. Yes. And uh, Robot Dreams is obviously very different. Uh, but you've already been through that challenge of removing the the convenience of words from yes. from your filmmaking arsenal. What, how are you still able to create uh, all, the full story without relying on dialogue? How challenging is that? Yeah, the thing is that one one just one detail for me, Robert Dreams is is a dialogue free film. It's not a silent film because actually. Is my most complex sound design film, and I work with a you know a big team of sound team with uh, you know Fabiola Ardoyo because we wanted that because New York there's if there's a uniqueness about New York is how noisy it is. You cannot make an, a silent New York. It will be an oxymoron. There's no silent New York. It's loud. So one of the things more noise. So. We have to find sirens, alarms from police, from fire department, from uh, cars, from the period. You need all these wild and crowds. So definitely the film has sound, sound, a New York sound, you know, so that, that element. But talking about 
my previous experience in writing writing with images. For me, what I always try to make in my film is to write with images. I really think that what makes film a unique art form is that. You know, my before a film director, I'm a film buff. My period, my favorite period of film is the 20s, mid-20s, Abel Gans, Dreyer, Murnau, Victor Hostrom, you, you, you name it. You know, there's so many great directors that they were really pushing the film language. And I really like the idea of pushing the film language. You know, as we all know, when the sound era came, suddenly that gigantic advantages, camera movement, fast cutting, you know. So I I want to continue that legacy, honestly, you know, uh, and and in my films, I wanted my films to be a sensorial experience. I'm like, and about the sensorial experience. I want Robot Dreams to be a sensorial experience. I want to, at the same time, I want it to be a musical. For me, Robot Dreams is a musical with images and, and, and music. So when you, when you write with images, and I had done it before, a whole film, I'm talking about the whole length of a feature film, the story has to move. And this action reaction, and you need so many. So the editing is your your tool. You know, you really need a lot of cuts. So there's definitely there's a uniqueness about how a film that is based in in writing with images, where the the camera, the cuts, and I think probably uh, you know we all know how many cuts has a Spider Man. You know. Uh, probably uh, Robert Reeves to some stage could be close to it in the sense that you really need a lot of cuts to to tell a story with images. Absolutely. Well, and and another thing you've referenced is how how often you change things up from film to film. Every film that you've made is so different from the last. Um, so I don't know what you're what you're going on to next. What film is next? But I'm curious. What do you already feel you've you've learned from the experience of making Robot Dreams uh, that that you're you're going to take into your next film, whatever it might be? Well, the, the thing is that. I, as you said, you know, every film of mine is different. I, and I think it has become my trademark. Not even, it was not a plan. It's just, it just became like this. And after four films, you can make some conclusion that each film is just very different on the formal level. I definitely think that I'm a, I think form is very important in cinema. So I try to change, but I think my films, even if they're very different visually, they have the same DNA, the same writer, director. So there are a few ingredients that all my films have that is emotion, humor, surprises, music, and a love story, all of them. So I think probably my, my next film will be completely different visually and with the same, those element of ingredients. But honestly, I don't know what I'm gonna do next. I, at this time, I'm with a megaphone, step right in, since can, eh? since can, since May, I'm saying, step right in to see Robert Dreams. So that's that's very exciting for for me. And what was the other part of the question that you were saying? That, what what do you think you learned from Robot Dreams? Yes, what, yeah, that you take into your next project. Yeah, what my biggest change from film to film, as I get older and more experienced director, is that when I made my first film, I thought that a director had to have answers for everything. And as I make one one another film, every time I think that directing is about listening. 
honestly. And, and definitely, you have the last call. You're the director. Nobody's going to question at this stage of my career. Nobody questioned my, my position in the film. But I'm really open for any collaborator to express because I will, if somebody has a better idea than mine, I'm going to get it. You know, so there's so many great ideas from my team in this film. Although it says a film by Pablo Berger, which is an affair, but definitely I think you have to listen. And another thing, definitely making a film in animation opened my mind to a different type of stories. Definitely, it really, it made me feel like, wow, now, I, I'm sure I will make another animation film. I enjoy the process immensely. But I know I'm going to tell different stories that I cannot tell in live action. I think when you use animation to do a story that you cannot make in live action is great. For example, this is a, you know, it's a, it's a European budget film. It's a Spanish-French co-production. For Spain, it's a good budget, but compared to American budget, it's just very tiny. But... In Spain, we feel, oh, everybody says, oh, you had a nice budget to make Robot Dreams. And I did. I didn't need any more money. I never, I, I don't feel that we're, I don't feel I'm missing one shot. I have all the shots that I needed or the background, the artist. But for example, in this film, I was able to put a gigantic choreography, Busby Berkeley homage with thousands of tap dancers. I could have never made a scene like that, like action with a European budget. One thing. Another scene, there's a scene in the film that there's a sledge race that is kind of like a Ben-Hur, homage, James Bond. I couldn't have made that scene with a European film budget, maybe with a Hollywood budget, yes, but not with a European. So it really opened my mind to another set of stories, which is great. And to finalize this question, I would say in this film is also the closest to the film that I dream as a director, you know? Director, we always dream the film. We close our eyes and we think about the film, how it's gonna be finished. And when you make live action, that's the nature of live action. There's so many uh, fingerprints and so many variables, everything goes wrong, but you have to turn the negative in positive. It's really crazy to make live action film. And in this one, when you make animation, you really, it's like, it's pretty close to the storyboard that I did in for one year with my team. It's like, wow, this is really close to the film that I dream. So when I make a live action film, I'm gonna really keep pushing. You know, if I'm a very detail-oriented maniatic about the thing, I'm gonna continue with that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, when I make live action, I make a storyboards that they're like not in movement. It's just a, more drawings. But my next live action, I'm going to make a, a real story. I'm going to make a, an animatic. And that's definitely, and I'm going to show it to, to my team. And it's going to be, you know, I want this. So yeah, no, definitely it's, I learned so much. And, and, and most important, I, I, I made, met great heads of departments that I didn't know. I, now I have fantastic art director. And I, I met a fantastic animation director and a fantastic comper. You know, I, I I met new collaborators and that's always great for a director. Amazing. Well, Pablo, I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you again for Robot Dreams. I truly love the movie. Appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Daniel, for 
helping us to spread the word and you know we we need you you know we need we need all the academy members to know about robot dreams that they have to see it we cannot you know and of course it's nice that you put a nice a nice word about the about the film absolutely well thank you so much and best of luck Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the writer, director, and producer for Robot Dreams, Paulo Berger, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Robot Dreams is up for your consideration for this year's Academy Awards for Best Animated Feature and will be released in the U.S. by Neon on May 31st. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.